Hi everyone and a warm welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology, talent, transformational change and of course tech as a force for good. I'm your host Professor Sally Eves and today we're focusing in on the dynamic changes across expectations, behaviours, opportunities and challenges impacting on business today, especially increasingly decentralised working models, ESG resonance and escalating cyber security threats. And as a special feature now with Intel, we dive deep into all things Intel v Pro and how this addresses these key needs. Areas in scope include enhancing performance, experience and choice, collaboration solutions fueled by AI, modern cloud-based manageability and lifecycle management, and of course, delivering on that imperative to embed security by design. We then drill into all things ESG actualization from build to retire, exploring built-in sustainability lifecycle benefits, or in other words, this is business and social impact combined. And finally, we cover superb impact programs such as Intel's Rise and how to better support diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging in the tech sector and beyond. Look out for lots of assets here, including details of Sarah's Women Leading in Technology Group and top tapes on skills, compassionate leadership and taking that next step in your career, or indeed equally, helping someone else to do the same. So let's get started now. And to do so, I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah Whiskers, Intel General Manager of Commercial Client Sales. So without further ado, a warm welcome to the show, Sarah. Great to have you here with us today. Thanks for having me today, Sally. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And as you know, I'd love to start the show with kind of a bit more about you, the person behind the tech, shall we say. I wonder if you could start by just sharing a little bit more about your personal journey, Sarah, and perhaps a moment that's mattered too. And personally, I was really inspired by your recent LinkedIn post about your 25-year anniversary at Intel. Maybe that could be a place to start us off. So last week was the mark of 25 years ago that I moved across the country to Folsom, California, and walked into the front doors of Intel for the first time. I was straight out of electrical engineering college. I didn't know anyone. And it's amazing to me to think back now to to this adventure that I'm still on with Intel. At that time, I wasn't married. I didn't have any children. I thought this will be just a fun little adventure before I start my personal life uh, and that that motherhood and marriagehood phase of my life. And it was just amazing to think that I'm still on this journey with Intel. Intel is such a great company to work for. It's big, so you can do lots of different things. And I've done many different things through my career. So you can reinvent yourself without having to, to leave such a great company. Oh, I love that. I love how the organization has grown with you. You know, that we talk about that a lot in other areas, don't we? But what a fantastic example of that. And I've experienced some of those firsthand about that opportunity to try lots of different things as well. So I'll come back to that later. But I love that. Great way to start us off, Sarah. Thanks so much. And kind of just coming back to kind of the state of the world at the moment. I mean, vectors of change, I think, probably doesn't really cover it in terms of so many different things that are happening and with real velocity as well. So with businesses, frankly, of all sizes navigating this. I think what we're seeing with the advancements to Intel v Pro and meaning business, really that encapsulation of that message, I think it has never resonated and probably mattered more as it is right now. So maybe this would be a great way to take us into our main conversation. What are you seeing as, say, the biggest changes or influences or challenges and opportunities for that matter too, that's really impacting on the enterprise marketplace right now? Yeah, well, being in this industry for 25 years, we've seen changed before, but I don't think anything has been significant as much as the change we saw recently with the shift to hybrid work. And it had to happen literally overnight, which is unheard of when you think about enterprises and commercial customers that have generally a very long, rigorous process of validating systems, deploying systems that can take months to do. And overnight, they literally had to flip on a dime and go 100% mobile. They had to adjust overloaded VPN. And initially, everyone thought this is temporary, right? So there were temporary solutions put in place. But then soon after, we realized that this is, this is long term. And so when you think about those things, it's really not a temporary fix. You have to think about the long-term adjustment 
And so again, in corporate world, we just take more time to do these things. And literally it had to happen overnight and this huge pivot to mobile and work from home, which has provided challenges that we'll talk more about, but it also provides opportunity too, because now more than ever, you rely on technology and that's the business we're in. So it's super exciting being a technologist myself, an electrical engineer. I just love the fact that we're embracing technology now more than ever, not just because we want to, but but because we have to. Exactly, exactly. And I always say this as well, when, when people are looking, for example, uh, is tech a career for me? It's one of the one of the things I bring to the fore. What an agency opportunity to make a difference with all the you know dynamic uh, world we're living in at the moment. Lots of challenges, but again, opportunities to really get involved in that for business and societal too, in terms of benefits. So I'm, yeah, exactly. I think you really kind of set the stage there very well of what we're navigating. But bringing to that point specifically about the hybrid work environment and kind of this rise of to centralized working models and as you said these are trends there are expectations and behavioral trends that are really set to last here what have you found in your experience to be kind of maybe the gold silver and bronze should we say in terms of the challenges that businesses are facing with navigating this change that's lasting well number one security was an issue before we knew security incidences were on the rise we knew the security press and and how liable you were you were trying to avoid being in the press for security breaches. All of the security concerns were there prior to hybrid work. Um, But now going through the hybrid work process and now this becoming, as I said, the new normal, security has become even more important and has become even a bigger challenge. Because if you think about it, when you are working in a home environment, you're on consumer grade technology from a infrastructure standpoint. You have consumer grade access points in your house and who knows how old those are. They're not the nice corporate with extra security type infrastructure that we have in a corporate office. When you think about hybrid work as well, people are on their devices now more than ever and they're all 24-7. When you're using your device more, the odds of someone clicking on something that they shouldn't increases as well. And then back to the home infrastructure issue, we've seen corporations disable printing ports because printing at home has become such a big concern from a security perspective. We've seen issues with um, people that have also said, hey, the home devices, when you think about like the Alexas, et cetera, that those could cause security concerns. So I think, number one, security is top of mind in a hybrid work environment because of all of those reasons. Um, the next thing I think that was a big concern, and I brought it up uh, earlier, was con- is connectivity. You can have the best technology in the world, but if you don't have good connectivity, it doesn't matter, especially in a hybrid work environment. And if you think about it, the corporate office IT knew exactly what internet service provider was coming into the corporate office. They knew what access points were inside the corporate office. They could track the packets down to each individual cube. And they had all of that great analytics because they're on enterprise grade technology. In the home, it's, it's like the black hole of IT. They have no visibility into the internet coming into the home. Or once you're in the home, what type of infrastructure is there? And it was interesting in talking to some of the um, IT providers, they've said, hey, when they get a call from a customer that they're having connectivity issues, the first thing they have them do is plug directly into the access point and get off wireless altogether because they just have to take some variables out of the equation because it's a huge unknown. And then I think the third challenge has been about around remote manageability and manageability in general. So when you think about needing to fix a computer, when you were in the office and your computer had an issue, you could pick your computer up off the table and take it two floors down to an IT service desk, and they could help you right on the spot. 
Now there are millions of offices. There is no local IT person to take your computer to. And so how do you keep devices healthy? How do you keep devices managed when there are now a million offices instead of one? And that's become a huge challenge. Also, when you think about um, security as well, because you need to patch these devices and you need to make sure that they're healthy from a security perspective. And that's much more difficult to do in a home office environment. So I would say those were the, the big three and they continue to be the big three uh, when it comes to challenges around hybrid work. Oh, I absolutely agree. And such great points there. And thinking that point you made about patching in particular, that's even more important when you consider how many times patching was delayed during the pandemic. And from off the top of my head, I think there was research about a lot of companies up to five times before they went ahead. So again, when we're looking at things like security, if you don't have those foundations right and patching is a big part of that, you're really opening up new you know, threat surfaces for, for risk as well. So I think that's so, so important. And in terms of security, you know, it was at RSA, um, um, uh, 2023 recently and one of the things that really came to the fore there and particularly there was an interview with Bloomberg that happened just afterwards and talking about how consumer expectations have changed around connectivity and the embedding of security by design is right up there as a, as a prioritization it was almost as if there was a move away from caring how you connect to caring that you connect in a way that is safe reliable and secure so I think what you're saying there is absolutely really really on point um, and perhaps moving beyond that as well and kind of this inflection point we're in right now and convergence in terms of different technologies coming together but also these different challenges and opportunities as well. Um, I'd love to dive into a little bit more detail about the Intel V Pro, your 17 years of experience that's gone into this as, 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 a, as a platform, but how it's tackling some of these challenges. And there are so many benefits here. I've, I've looked at this in some some detail and kind of knowing where to start is possibly the number one challenge, but bringing a few of them together, maybe starting with performance and experience and choice, again, really critical areas right now, but also the opportunity to collaborate better, um, particularly supported by AI. Perhaps that could be our starting point, if I may. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, what we're trying to do is make this really easy for our corporate customers, right? When we think about vPro, you said it, it's a platform brand. And it means more than just an amazing CPU. Uh, Intel makes amazing CPUs for lots of different things. vPro was really put together to be a package. So you know you have the best of the best corporate grade technology inside that computer. So you have a great processor. You have the best of the best chipset. You, you can guarantee that you have Intel Wi-Fi connectivity and technology, the best in the market, right? You have a corporate firmware. So you have all of these things in this nice package. You don't have to worry about, oh, maybe there's not as good of a connectivity solution. Maybe the chipset is different. Like, you know, it's a package and it includes all that we have to offer to a corporate customer. And you don't have to think about it. You just look for that word vPro on the system and you've got it, right? And, it, and we're going to continue to fuel that platform brand with more goodness as these challenges have emerged um, that I talked about with hybrid work. You're going to continue to see us fuel into vPro more of the goodness to solve those problems. So again, making this super easy. And you're right, we have our best security technologies in vPro. And it's the, the strategy there is really to go bare metal below the OS. That has become the next, the next attack surface for attackers out there. They know how to attack software. They know how to attack the OS. They know how to attack drivers. The next place they're looking at is BIOS and firmware, and that's below the operating system. Absolutely. So you need amazing security technology below the OS to really protect the BIOS, to really protect the firmware. And that's those are the kinds of things we're doing with the vPro platform. And you don't have to think about it. You just know it's there. It's like an insurance policy for corporations. 
I think that's so, so true. As you're talking there, I want to I want to kind of point to my back, but it is kind of that we've got your back, isn't it? With the state of the art bleeding edge technology across all those different elements. Because again, I think a lot of organizations, and particularly if you're you know, a burgeoning SME or SMB, for example, there's so many different things to navigate. So having that end-to-end protection and support across all these different elements is absolutely critical because challenges like complexity and visibility, integration, et cetera, are all right up there, particularly that complexity one and you know, issues around tool sprawl for example cloud sprawl even as well so reducing that bringing it all together being holistic but having that end-to-end support and trust with that bleeding edge technology and the facilitation you do and education support as well i think is absolutely vital so i love that that embedded by design aspect i think kind of kind of rings it all together for me and you mentioned as well earlier about um device management and and the challenges of, of you know again multiple multiple users lots of different locations and everything you expanded around that. I wonder if you could explain just a little bit more about how the latest advances support that kind of cloud-based manageability, but particularly the lifecycle management side of things. This has become extremely mission critical for our corporate customers. When you think about all of these devices through the entire world, um, and they're not all in a nice corporate office together. And it, it's interesting, if you look back on the history of vPro, we focused on manageability first. And it was because there were server technologies uh, that basically you put a card into a server and you had to have two because you had to have redundancy because I, I spent some time uh, in the server space. And it was hundreds of dollars for these cards. And these cards gave you the ability to remote into the server that's in the data center so that you wouldn't have to go into the data center to manage it, patch it, fix things, upgrade things, and those types of things. And so we thought, wow, that is a very interesting technology. But if you think about it on the PC side, it's even a bigger issue because there's so many more of them than server. And they're not all together in nice, beautiful data centers. They're, they're everywhere. So, and obviously when you think about the price point of a PC, a $200 or $300 card isn't gonna cut it in, in a laptop, right? It just won't work. So it's really how vPro started was this concept of out of band management. How could we take a technology like that that they had available in server and make that work in a PC? and give the ability to remotely manage systems regardless of the state of the OS or the PC. It can be off, it can be blue screened of death, and you can still get to this system. And it was interesting because it started off very restrictive because it's a very difficult technology to put together. It was desktop only, it was wired only, we've moved it to mobile, we've moved it to cloud. So it's been a progression over time. And it was almost like we developed it knowing COVID was coming, it, which we didn't, but, but hybrid work happened and everybody's like, hey, Sarah, you know this remote management you've been talking to me about for 10 years? Yeah, I need to do that now. I get you know, it. I, you know, it, it was, you know, and if you think about it, it was mission critical thing. So for example, when you think about the workstation environment, I mean, we have, they're big, huge, desktop tower type workstations, they, they're very difficult to pick up and take home. They just weren't set up for that. And when you think about engineers who are designing on these big workstations, it's mission critical. They're designing cars, they're designing you know, entertainment, they're designing movies, they're designing all these things. And so we got calls that said, hey, I need to set this up on those workstations so that my engineers can remote into these workstations and we know they're up and they're healthy and they're patched and they're ready to go because we need to design the next car or we need to create the next movie and I've got to be able to access those systems. So it became almost like we knew this was coming. We didn't know this was coming, but this technology was almost like we knew it was coming. And then it ca- it happened and people were needing this now more than ever. And it became mission critical. And it still is today as hybrid work lives on. 
Oh, absolutely. And especially with, you know, new kind of catalysts of change and innovation as well. You know, ESG being one example of that and, and not just from the social impact perspective, but the impact on from, for example, compliance and areas like that as well. There's always new, new things that need to be supported in that way. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And thank you for sharing some of the backdrop to that story as well. It's really interesting that different iterations of Vipra. I love that. Really, really interesting as well. And you mentioned a few kind of in your story just then. But in terms of use cases, um, where do you see the biggest applications? And and again, I think we've naturally kind of covered a few of those, but perhaps even more interestingly, where, where do you think we might be going kind of use cases yet to be reinvented, so to speak? Well, I think some use cases to be invented um, or reinvented or some innovation that's that's coming in is really around AI. AI has a lot of buzz around it. Uh, Corporations want to embrace AI, but there are many security concerns with it as well. You know, where is the governance? Where is the accuracy? Who's liable for the data? All of those things that a corporate customer has to think about. And so as we, um, we've been leveraging AI in improving collaboration, for example. So we have been teaming with the collaboration ISVs on how do you make background blur better? How do you do eye tracking? How do you do noise cancellation? So we've been in AI for a very long time. And really now, as we're looking at it moving forward, if you look at um, AI that's available today in more of a commercial market, it's heavy cloud-based, which is great. However, there's, there's challenges with that. Back to connectivity. If, if something is 100% cloud-based, what about your bandwidth? You know, what about the connectivity? How do you get to that data? And so we have been working quite a bit on leveraging the local compute in the PC itself. You know, when you have the the CPU, the GPU, the VPU all there, how can you leverage what you have locally so you can really run the right AI workload where it makes the most sense, right? You still have cloud-based things, but there are local things that could run from an AI perspective as well. So from a productivity perspective, we're really looking there. And then also security and privacy. So we talked about how we really made this easy and we're putting all of our great security um, technologies within that vPro brand so that it's easy. Like you said, for a small, medium business, you know, if it's a dentist office, they want to just be the best dentist office possible. They don't want to necessarily be thinking about which PC do I need to get and what's my network? You know, we got to make it really simple, right? And so from an AI perspective, secure AI is a massive concern. And so if we can be leveraging all of that great security within the PC itself, and it's contained there, especially from a privacy perspective, that also helps address some of the concerns. So when I'm thinking about the innovation moving forward, I really see, again, so much excitement around AI, which is a huge opportunity. But there's also challenges and concerns that that have risen with it as well. And so I think it's really about run the workload where it makes the most sense in the most secure way as possible. Absolutely. I love that. And you've reminded me of a really lovely conversation I had with Wei Li um, from Intel, all around AI for good as well, and some particular activities you're doing there. So we'll do a little showcase of that episode in the show notes for, for this one as well. Because again, with that balance about what AI can enable, but understandably concerns as well, I think it provides a nice balance, if you see what I mean, in terms of kind of tackling some of those, but also some amazing applications for AI for good as well. So I've got a bit of a bias there, I have to say, in terms of showcasing that type of impact, but I love that. It really aligns to what you were just saying there, Sarah, as well. So so fantastic stuff. And it kind of brings me on nicely, actually, to thinking of other areas of impact. So I'd love to dive in a little bit more into how the Intel vPro platform supports not just business advantage, but also social advantage, too. So I really believe that we can bring these two together for shared value impact around all things ESG. So I'd love to dive in a little bit further, if I may, around some of the built-in sustainability benefits. And that's what I love. Again, it's holistic. You're focusing from build right through to retire, which I think is fantastic. 
topic and also areas like sustainable PC life cycle management. And again, you know, a lot of conversations I'm having, this has resonated in a way that has never done previously. A, some of the, you know, the impacts from COVID, how we've seen things a little bit differently, but also energy pressures, you know, energy scarcity, security, fragility and cost, frankly, particularly in EMEA. So, so much resonance around this at the moment and how tackling this is good for business and society at the same time. I'd love to hand that back to you for your thoughts, Sarah. Yeah, I really think about sustainability from a control what you can control standpoint. Intel is in a very unique position to control different facets of this space. So number one, we are a big manufacturer. We manufacture our own technologies. Therefore, in our manufacturing environment, we have to think sustainability first you know, renewing, reusing renewable resources, recycling, all of that through the manufacturing process. And Intel has been very vocal about how we are leveraging the sustainability best practices as a manufacturer of our own technology, number one. Number two, we design our own technologies. And when you are designing technologies, you have to think about sustainability as well. Best performance per watt, um, energy efficiencies, those types of things as you're designing the product. And then finally, as you're looking at purchasing these technologies, you can be more sustainable yourself by leveraging the technology that we are putting inside the PC. So for example, with vPro across the life cycle of the device, you can now remotely wipe systems instead of sending them in if they get a security issue on them. You can deploy software packages and upgrades remotely versus having to send systems in and have that downtime and the packaging waste of shipping things, as well as you know avoiding truck rolls and sending people to, to, to places to fix devices. And then when you think of retirement of the device, you know, you can remotely wipe it to the point where it's almost like hitting it with a hammer. You can get all of that data off in that super secure way so that it can improve your recycling processes. If you're waterfalling systems to other people, to uh, contractors, to interns, as well as just the recycling process in general. And so I really like to think about sustainability as three legs of that stool. We manufacture our own technology, therefore we think sustainability. We design our own technology, therefore we think sustainability. And then if you as a user purchase a vPro, you can be more sustainable yourself through the life cycle of that PC. So it's a control what you can control uh, initiative. Absolutely. Really great examples. I love those kind of three pillars, if I may, that you, you put to the fore there. And I was going to ask you actually about another kind of three areas. You've almost actually gone there in terms of how we can bring together digital transformation, decarbonisation and growth. I wonder if you had any extra thoughts on that, but you were naturally going in that trajectory anyway. It was really showing that shared value impact. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's always the challenge, right, is we want to make sure and when we have this issue with security as well, sometimes if you want to be as secure as possible, you can impact performance, right? Because if you have all these security scans and aggressive scanning happening in the background, that can impact your performance of yes. your device. So we've actually leveraged some really interesting technology within vPro where we have taken that aggressive scanning and we can offload that to the GPU so that your performance doesn't go down. And when I think through the sustainability and those three legs of the stool that I was talking about, I really think we're really trying to balance all of that across also delivering the best performance, the best connectivity and the best productivity that we can because you don't wanna sacrifice. And so we're in a very unique position given how many of the components we make inside the system to really make sure we have that right balance so that again, if we can offload something here, then it won't impact here. I mean, it's all connected at the end of the day. So I think you have to really think through how do we drive the best productivity? How do we drive the best performance and all of those things so that you can work as well as you can work in a hybrid environment, but also thinking through, okay, how can I be as sustainable as possible, right? And that's why I think you really have to control what you can control. And then also something Intel's really good at is enabling the ecosystem. 
right? So we work with so many ISVs and we work with so many OEMs and hardware providers that we can be encouraging them to have those best practices as well, right? We, it's, it takes a village and I believe to be as sustainable as possible, it takes a village. Uh, it's so true. That whole um, expression about you go further faster by coming together, it really is. I, I think, you know, one positive that we can all take from, from the pandemic experience is it really shone a light on how if we come together as an ecosystem about big challenges, how far we can accelerate that curve to impact. We saw it in healthcare, we saw it in logistics to a degree, all sorts of different areas. Um, I think we can apply that to other challenges, other SDGs like sustainability. But I mean, how far can we go? You know, we, we've shown it we really have shown the art of the possible around this ecosystem approach and i love the fact particularly over the last six months or so i'm seeing real tangible examples of different types of kind of co-creativity of organizations maybe you wouldn't even see think thought of would come together but we really are applying um, that shared knowledge and open understanding around big challenges like this so i couldn't agree more i think innovation in the ecosystem is to be even bigger next year to be completely honest and it's important um, to showcase that's so a great example i love that um, it encapsulates programs at intel like rise as well because i think that very much has you know really a supporting the community but listening to the community and coming together whether that's kind of democratizing access to education skills or getting involved in particular projects or doing more of what you have as well seems some great resources resources around that too so again it really fits into that vision um, and culture I think which is, which is fantastic so yeah again I, I love areas where we're focusing on impact like that and and kind of going beyond that as well I can think it kind of brings to the fore well how important empowerment is for people for teams for organizations um, I'd love it if you could maybe share some of your kind of top takes if you will about if you're listening to this right now, what would be your top kind of takeaways about how to better support your business for the future, given all we've talked about so far with these different vectors of changes and challenges? How can you navigate that better? Um, I'd love it if we could perhaps revisit that because I saw you speak on this subject a little while ago at a Dwen event, which I was at, and uh, I thought, yeah, it'd be a great opportunity to revisit that question. Yeah, yeah. I think at the end of the day, um, people are just getting overloaded with information. And it's so difficult to navigate through all of that. Um, And a lot of it is awareness. I'm I'm blown away uh, meeting with customers every day that just they don't even know that they have some amazing technology that they've already purchased that they could be using. It's, It's an awareness issue. And you know, I, I've been, like I said, I've been at Intel a long time. I love Intel. One of the challenges we have is that we have so many great engineers and we're so proud of our product. Sometimes we get a little complicated in explaining it, right? So I'm always saying, hey, we can go on and on about our products, but sometimes we just have to make it really easy. That's why I love vPro, right? We've made it so easy. You don't have to think about it. Just look for that sticker and you're good. You have all the latest. And I just love that because we can get very technical very quickly. We can really go into great depth, but we're trying to make it really simple. And I think some of the challenges we have around um, access to the data, getting overloaded with the data. People just don't even know. It's an awareness issue. And so that's another thing that we're trying to team with the ecosystem more on is how do we take those messages and and get them out in a better way? Like doing these types of things, right? I mean, hopefully someone listens to this and is like, wow, I didn't even know VPro could do that. You know, that, that would be a win for me because I'm like, wow, we educated someone, they're aware now, and now they can take advantage of something that they may already be buying. Right. So how do we keep it simple? How do we scale the message together? That's really what I'm hoping to drive. Oh, I I love that. And I think right now as well, um, the ability to do more with what you have is so key for organizations of of all sizes, frankly. And you're absolutely right. There's an opportunity cost or an opportunity loss with the fact that there is a lack of awareness about just how much you can do you know so I think that is absolutely a leading thing to focus on so thank you for shining a light on that I think that's absolutely critical and and also alongside the technology there's also so many other elements we need to focus on too I talk about holism quite a lot but it's never just a tech conversation is it it's always about technology and around culture the right change management approach the right processes the right skills and skills uplift all these different elements coming together and I know as well I've seen some of your work um, with women leading 
in technology. Fantastic group. And I wondered if you had any thoughts there in terms of any leadership or skills takeaways that we could share. Because again, in terms of keeping up with this speed of change, you know, I put my personal vote in there. I talk about, about STEAM learning a lot, that move from STEM to STEAM, where we focus on kind of that whole so different canvas of skills, really. So yes, technology disciplines are in there, but also things like empathy and emotional intelligence and kind of storytelling as well. All of these things are kind of equally valuable. So I, I focus on that and also things like metacognition. So helping you to identify your learning style, because again, there's many different ones and there's no one white ray and helping people know that's okay too is, is also important, I think. So I wonder what you found in your in your role as co-founder of that group and, and how you've worked with people in that area. Yeah, so uh, women leading in technology, I'm, I'm so proud of coming together and, and really to see where that has, has gone from inception. So it really started with, um, I, I was passionate about being a woman, a woman in technology, and I, I'm used to the fact of, hey, I was the only woman in the room in some of these, these conversations. And I was, I was really looking for some type of group of people that were like me, right? Yes. Women, high tech trying to advance their career. And I really didn't find anything locally that existed. And so I was able to talk about this with some really amazing female leaders in the area from Cisco and um, uh, Dell and with our customers. These were even CIOs of our customers. And we said, maybe we should just bring a group together. Like we all are struggling with work-life balance and how, how can you be the best mom and wife, but also be the best worker? How can you advance your technical career if you're not at a main big site? You know, all of these things that we're trying to manage. And we said, hey, why don't we pull a group together and talk about these topics and share best methods and really help each other um, through the process, be there to mentor, be there to sponsor, be there to coach, point people in the right directions, do things for the community together. And so we came together as a group. Uh, we knew we had to team with an entity. So we teamed with Minnesota High Tech Association to you know, manage a website, take money, you know, these types of things. And it's been amazing to see because now it's, it's uh, nationwide. Uh, now it's flourishing. They're doing some great scholarships for, for new tech le female leaders in school. Uh, they've done some amazing things from a community standpoint. We, we do something that I love, which is called a suit drive. So a lot of times when you're coming out of, of college or coming out of school, you may not be able to afford a nice suit for that first mm -hmm. interview, right? So we did a, hey, clean out your closets. Is there any old suits you have that you would like to donate? And we did a used suit drive. And I just Love loved it. that to help people. So I love to see where it's gone. I've also been very active in Intel's women in technology network internally too, because at the end of the day, we just need to come together. Uh, people buy from people, people work with people. So we need to be together as a community. And I really think a lot of it comes down to identifying your passion point. I'm really big on passion point. What are you passionate about? And then how can you take that passion and really use that to fuel you? So when you get up every day, you're excited and you're ready to work because you're fueling your passion. And I'm really big on identifying that passion point and honing in on that and getting really focused. And it's okay for your passions to also change. So it's been so fun being a part of those groups, starting those groups, uh, sponsoring those groups. Because at the end of the day, people want to be around people that are like them and that are struggling with those same kind of issues. And I think, you know, if, if you're struggling with it in Argentina, you're, you're, someone's probably struggling with it in China and somebody's probably struggling with it in Canada. And if we can come together, discuss those topics, we can also share what has worked over here, what has worked over there, and you can get to a solution so much quicker. So it's been, it's given me great joy to be a part of those groups over the years. I've been managing teams for many years and I, I lead with a servant leadership approach. I'm not here to be the smartest person in the room. I'm, I'm here to tell you I am not the smartest person in the room. I'm here to knock down roadblocks for people and help people along. I'm here to learn. I'm here to inspire and motivate I am not the smartest person in the world. And I'm here to serve at the end of the day, serve the customer, serve the team. I want to help. I love rolling up my sleeves and helping out. And so I've always led with that kind of servant leadership approach. 
I love that. I, I think that that way you describe that in terms of leadership as as facilitation, if you will. You know that again that that enablement I think is so so important. And again, saying out there, I don't know everything. Absolutely spot on. It's so important to put that message out there. And I couldn't agree more. I think we share very similar style in, in all things like that. Actually, which is fantastic to hear. I love that. And I was actually going to ask you about that shortly. So I might go slightly deeper to that actually and talk about from leadership to specific skills. Because again, I run a I run a non for profit series called 365 and it's kind of around visibility um, of role models in tech every single day of the year because you know sometimes you get a focus day um, or lots of different focus day and they're great for drawing that attention but what happens in between that so the whole point about this is focus on diversity equity inclusion and belonging every single day of the year so that, that's where that kind of context came from um, and we work with people you know literally I think six-year-old is the youngest mid-90s is the oldest and again it's about making this relatable and accessible trying to take away you know the fear that you might have about technology sometimes there's you know, quite scary headlines but equally make people more curious and it's not all necessarily about going for a career but definitely to build up that confidence and curiosity which I sometimes think is is the most underexplored skill sometimes curiosity I always give a shout out for that so on that kind of take I wonder if you had any final takeaways about you know what skill today do you think is most important or maybe even undervalued and with all the change we've been exploring Exploring. What would you invest in today if you're a young adult looking to reskill or upskill or still at school at the moment? Just some takeaways around that particular area, I think would be really, really valuable. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, um, I have three children. And I remember when my daughter was in middle school and she came to me and said, Mom, I got into honors math, but it's not cool. I, I mean, my friends aren't in it. I don't want to be in it. It's not, it's not cool to be in honors math. And so we had to have a conversation about how technology, technical skill, advanced um, areas like mathematics are so important and they act as a springboard. You can do so many different things. So when I went into engineering school, uh, what I love about engineering is when you, when you start out in the beginning, they expose you to all these different types of engineering. So you take a little bit of civil engineering, which is, you know, designing bridges and those kind of things. You take a little bit of mechanical engineering, which gets more into fluid dynamics and how does this work? I'm electrical is the specialty I was in. Um, you get into um, agriculture engineering. How are we leveraging engineering and agriculture, which is crazy advanced? Um, you know, when you work on the agriculture side with it's a it's a it's a ton of chemistry involved with agriculture. And so I love the exposure to a little bit of everything. And then you can kind of try things out and pick a path. And it's okay to change your path too. And so my big message to people that are looking to really skill up in some of these areas is find your passion point, because that will always fuel you. Number one. Number two, it, advancing from a technical perspective, it is a foundation that will springboard you into so many different areas. I had no idea. I did chipset design for Cray Supercomputers was my first engineering type role. Huge supercomputers and I was doing chipset design. Um, and I remember going in every break I had, going and talking to the administrative assistants in the office because I just needed people interaction. It was few. So my passion was, I love tech, but I need to interact more with people. And so when I was looking at roles and I ended up at Intel, I was like, wow, there's marketing engineer roles, there's sales engineer roles. Like, so I can be an engineer, but yet still feed my passion for people at the same time. Like I had no idea. It acts as a springboard to so much. I will say from a technical skill perspective, you know, it can always evolve as well. So uh, I took computer science classes. And back in the day, we were on like C++ and Fortran, like that's aging me, right? And now it's Java. And now it's, you know, really moving past, all, you know, very much more, um, much a much better UI interface versus that direct code we had to do like from a DOS perspective. So, you know, it evolves, right? And so I think identify that passion area, anything in technology and advanced degrees will be only a springboard into the future. I see a lot around data science right now and analytics 
Um, I see a lot around software, you know, so you, you can't go wrong and it's okay always to continue to skill up in different areas and change as well and evolve that skill set. I also think it's really important when you're looking at a career development um, initiative as well is doing a gap analysis on yourself. Yes. Right. Okay. What skills do I have today? What's my passion point? And am I gapped in any areas to get there? And it's really a gap analysis on your skill set. And that will also help guide you to where you could focus and skill up in certain areas as well. So passion point, gap analysis, anything technical acts as a springboard um, into almost anything you'd ever you'd ever want to do. And I think also having great examples. So when you when you when you see an, a great example, you can strive for that. So one of the things I talk to my team about is, is there someone doing a role that you would love to do? Is there an example of someone who has this skill that you would love to emulate? And if you kind of have that North Star, you can also put in milestones to get there as well. They could maybe this person could be a mentor for you and you can ask them, how did they get so good at that skill? Right. And get that recipe. So I love this topic. I'm so happy you asked about it, Sally, because I'm very passionate about it. Oh, I love it. I can hear that. And obviously with your role and your, your co-founder um, as, as well. I mean, honestly, you're, you're embedded in this particular activity. So it's a pleasure to discuss it. And as you were saying at the end there, visibility really does matter. Hence the genesis of the 365 program in the first place, because you want to see people that you can relate to. You're absolutely right. And you can emulate from, you can reach out. And again, in terms of mentoring, also the other side of that is if you're a mentor right now, also think about sponsorship as well, helping people. You know, if you see an opportunity you know someone could be a really good fit for going that extra step and potentially putting them forward and, and recommending etc as well I always point that out and, and in terms of that kind of skills canvas you were talking about there Sarah as well another thing that came to the mind for there is AIDS is very holistic but kind of rise of the generalist is my take on skills development at the moment in terms of absolutely have your your passion point as you were describing there develop a skill specialism but ensure that you really have got this holistic kind of canvas that I talk about of all sorts of different skills because with all the change we're talking about at the moment that ability to dive into different areas to to be more confident with ambiguity um, and to be kind of ambidextrous you say to change the more you have that different skills to, to build on I think you've got those foundation rights it makes it so much easier to be agile to that I think sometimes we talk about agile organizations don't we um, but maybe less so about agile teams and then to individual personal levels so that personalized training and support with learning better and learning how you learn best, I just think is so, so valuable in organizations today. So I'm excited where we're heading here. I really am. Yeah. And I think it's important to network, not for just network sake. Yes. Right? Networking can just be a daunting task to some people. They, they feel like it's very almost robotic and transactional. And so when I think about getting involved in external networks, like the, the network you're talking about, the network I, I co-founded, um, there's people get really nervous about networking. You need to have a strong network. We always talk about that, but people are like, well, how do I do it? Because it feels so transactional. It feels awkward. And I would tell you my best piece of advice when it comes to networking is to get involved. These, these, these groups all have committees that you could be a part of. And if you roll up your sleeves and get involved with a committee or get involved on a project, the networking naturally happens because you're working with a group of people you would never have worked with before. They're getting to know you and it's not such a transactional robotic thing. You're rolling up your sleeves, you're doing something and it's really a networking by doing approach that I think makes it a lot less transactional and robotic and more natural. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Again, dovetails with education. I think learning by doing and networking by doing it, it really brings that meaning, doesn't it? It's experiential. And, it, and as you were saying, it happens by osmosis in that particular scenario, doesn't it? I couldn't agree more. And my other final piece of advice is don't be afraid to kind of click that button to commit to an opportunity as well. So another thing I've seen with mentoring activities as well is we've had more democratization of, of, of courses than I think we've ever seen before, and particularly in cloud and, and other areas as well. So 
the barriers to access have gone down, but that doesn't mean it's still easy to put yourself forward for an opportunity. So many young people are in particular, but also older adults looking to reskill as well. That you know, they're saying, "Well, I don't come from a tech path, and I've got a very linear journey, or or I haven't. I've got the complete opposite, and I've got kind of you know, pick a mix of, of different experiences." And I always try and turn that around and say, "Do you know what? That diversity. Wow, that's an amazing set of experiences that you can bring to bear." But equally, you know, not everybody in tech has come from a linear tech background. Quite often, it's the opposite. And again, it's reframing that narrative and, and helping people work through maybe a lack of something could actually be an amazing asset as part of that team in tech, you know? So again, kind of bringing that to the fore and helping people move beyond that, that concern and do I, do I go for it or not? I love trying to you know, make a difference there. That, that really means a lot, lot to me as well. So, so congratulations for all your work, Sarah. I, I, could, I could speak to you for much, much longer. I know I need to bring it to a close, but I think maybe we should come back and do a 365 special together and dive in deeper on that very area. I love that. I love that. Um, I think another, another thing that I, I heard some great advice on this topic uh, from someone else that said, when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yep. And, and are you doing that? And I'm like, well, when I was a child, I didn't say I wanted to be, I didn't think I would be this big technologist. You know, I didn't think I would get an engineering degree and a math degree. That's not what I thought of as a little child. What I, when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a teacher, right? And, and now I'm, I'm like, I'm doing that. I yeah. am doing that. I'm teaching people about technology. I'm teaching people about how to navigate a career. I'm teaching people how to grow their skills. I'm a teacher. And so exactly. I do feel like I'm doing what I said I was going to do or what I wanted to do as a child, right? And so I thought I thought that was just a very interesting that. exercise. I think there's just different exercises we've all probably seen and been a part of, but I love that. Like, are you doing what you wanted to be when you were a child where, you know, Luckily for me, I wasn't, I didn't want to be an astronaut or something <laughs> like that. I wanted to be a teacher and I feel like that's what I'm doing. I love that. Oh, what, what a way to round it off, Sarah. I absolutely love that. And again, I think it helps people to reflect on what you're doing right now. And quite often, there's far more that might be related to that aspiration than you maybe you've kind of forgotten that's actually there in your role right now. And if it's not, maybe you actually do have the agency to do more of that in the role you have. And if not, to get involved in something and some of the ways we've described as well to close that particular gap where you don't feel that you've got that alignment. So whichever way you take that from, that can be such a powerful and really tangible kind of takeaway to take action on so sarah thank you so much let's come again soon for another episode of tomorrow's tip today and the 365 one i think to drill into all these areas um, in more detail and i love the fact that we've really covered not just business impact but societal impact too and again from enterprise through to smb but also individuals as well and how we can help give more agency for change so thank you so much for joining us sarah well, thank you so much for having me, Sally. I would love to come back and dive into deeper topics. Um, I, I enjoy talking with you and helping our, our team. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Sarah. Absolute pleasure. And of course, to our audience as well. Thanks so much for watching and tuning in to us again and for all your fantastic questions as well. We really appreciate your feedback. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. If you enjoy what we're doing, please subscribe to us and leave a review. It really means a lot. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and see more behind the scenes video footage on YouTube. Thanks for listening.